podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. It is Thursday, the 1st of July, and we're brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access American Netflix, get around geoblockers, also keeps your data safe from the ne'er-do-wells. LibertyShield.com, use the code EPLVPN. You get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Right, folks. The transfer saga that would never end appears to be coming to an end. Manchester United have agreed a fee for Jadon Sancho. It looks like personal terms have already been done, so that's fine. He'll have a medical once the Euros are over, and he will become a new Manchester United player. Some confusion on the fee. British reporters reporting that it's £73 with no add-ons. That's been briefed, obviously, by Manchester United. More likely is what we're seeing from the European journalists, particularly the German journalists, who are saying it's closer to €90 and add-ons of about 10 million. So that's about 77.5 million and add-ons. Now, I've also seen some suggestion that there are two sets of add-ons, one which are basically guaranteed, which are based on appearances, and one set which are based on winning a Ballon d'Or, winning a Premier League, winning a Champions League. So we may never know, because United are clearly lying, and saying that they've gotten the, the deal done cheaper, that they've gotten it with no add-ons. There's no chance they got it for 73 million with no add-ons. Not a hope in the world. Dortmund have not come down that far. They've come down a little bit on what they were asking for, about 8 million. They've come down a little bit on the add-ons, but they haven't come down by nearly 30 million. No chance. This is United attempting to make it seem like their decision to hold off for a year has worked in their favor and they've gotten this massive win. They have gotten a win. They've gotten the player, and that's fantastic. They are, however, going to pay him a lot more in wages than they would have a year ago. And you do have to feel that if they'd had Jadon Sancho this past season, they might have won some silverware. But they didn't, and they didn't. Now, Sancho will join United, and where will he fit? So the obvious choice for him is to play on the right wing, where United do have a bit of a need. Not a massive need, but it has been a bit of a need, because Rashford and Pogba have largely played on the left. And then you've had Greenwood, Rashford, Mata at times, Dan James at times, and Ahmed Diallo on the right. So you would assume that Sancho comes in as the automatic starter on the right, with Rashford staying as the starter on the left. And that's fine. However, 
Sancho is better from the left than he is from the right. And also, when he plays on the right, to get the best of him in that role, you need an attacking right back, a top-class attacking right back. When he had his best time at Dortmund, it was with Ashraf Hakimi as the fullback or wingback, bombing forward, interchanging with him. They were telepathic in their understanding, and they tore teams apart down the right-hand side. When Hakimi left and Thomas Mounier came in, Sancho really struggled. Mounier, a little bit one-paced, good player, not a great player. Sancho was easier for defenders to figure out and stop. So Dortmund moved him back to the left where he'd actually begun at Dortmund. And he combined brilliantly with Rafael Guerrero, who's a very good attacking left back. Not particularly good defensively, but very, very good going forward. So to get the best from Sancho, ideally you need to play him on the left with a good attacking left back. However, United are going to play him on the right. So you're going to get less of him anyway. But even to maximize what you could get, you need that great attacking right back. United have Juan Basaka, who's, from an attacking point of view, one of the three or four worst in the division. So you're not going to get the best of Sancho. You're not going to get close to the best of Sancho. I don't believe United will get the best of Sancho playing 4 2 3 1 in that setup at all. More likely, they could move to a 4 3 3 and get more from him. Still not his very best, I don't think. But I still think you get you get a really good Sancho in a four three three if you went Sancho right, Rashford left, and Greenwood through the middle, or Cavani through the middle. Then play Bruno and Fred as eights rather than Bruno as a ten and Fred in a double pivot. I think Bruno and Fred as two thirds of a flat three in midfield will get more from Fred. I think you get more in the all round game from Bruno. You might not get the goals and assists that he's been getting, but I think he will contribute more to the overall success of the team. But United still need a defensive midfielder and a centre-back. Now, one of the problems they're going to have at centre-back is that Harry Maguire can only play in a deep line. He can't play in a high line. He doesn't have the pace. He doesn't read the game well enough. There's talk that they want Rafa Varane. Rafa Varane is an exceptional defender, and he's very, very good in a high line. We have no idea if he can defend in a deep line. We just don't know. And, And... A lot of people say, oh, it's easier. It's not if the midfield in front of you aren't sitting right right on your toes. If that midfield is leaving 20 or 30 yards of space, which is what will happen, because Bruno's going to be in the midfield, so he's going to play high. Potentially Pogba is in that midfield. He's going to play high. It's an awful lot of grass for one player to cover, especially considering they don't have a defensive midfielder on their books. McTominay is not a defensive midfielder. Fred is not a defensive midfielder. I suppose you can still class Matic, but he rarely plays. He's well past his best. United went into two summers ago with the biggest needs in their team being a defensive midfielder and a centre-back. They got neither. They got Maguire, but they they needed a quick centre-back to go with him. They went into last season, the biggest needs, defensive midfielder and a quick centre-back. And again, they got neither. They signed Maguire as an upgrade, basically, on Lindelof, who wasn't the issue. They needed a a more resolute version of Eric Bailly. They didn't get that. They still haven't got it. So now, United, two years later, still have the same problems. Centre-back and defensive midfielder. And unfortunately, because of moves they have made, 
50 million on Wambasaka, 80 million on Maguire. They've limited what they can do defensively. Now, Wambasaka can play in a high line because he's very, very quick. The issue with him is when you play a high line, you really want your fullbacks to be involved in your build up play, and that's not a strength of his. Luke Shaw is fine. Luke Shaw is a good defender, he's decent going forward. I don't think he has the type of stamina to play with Sancho the way Guerrero did. And he won't be able to leave the gaps behind him that Guerrero was allowed to leave at Dortmund because Dortmund played a back three. And Dortmund also didn't have a very painfully slow left-side centre-back. So United still need to figure out their defence. They still need to figure out the goalkeeper. There's an old saying in American football, if you've got two quarterbacks, you don't have one quarterback. So basically, if you've got two quarterbacks and you can't decide who your starter is, you don't have a starter. I think it's the same with goalkeepers. If you don't know who your starting goalkeeper is, if you haven't got one goalkeeper who has clearly distanced himself from his competition, I don't think you have a goalkeeper. I think you end up in a situation like we saw Southampton have last season and we saw United have. Now, Dean Henderson might become a very good goalkeeper. At the minute, he's just a good goalkeeper. Is he a top four goalkeeper? Is he a title-winning goalkeeper? I don't think so. Not yet. De Gea obviously was. De Gea was great. He was top two, top three in the world at one point. He's well off that now. But he's still on United's books for another couple of years at a very high salary. So he's going to be getting some games, which means we're going to see the same thing as we saw last season with De Gea playing some games, Henderson playing others. Now, if Ollie's brave, he just says, Henderson's my Premier League goalkeeper, and maybe De Gea plays the Cups, including the Champions League. Will De Gea be happy with that? I don't know. Will Henderson be happy with that? I don't know. But Ollie needs to make a decision. At the moment, I think they've got a goalkeeper issue. They definitely have a centre-back issue, and they definitely have a holding midfield issue. They absolutely must address that holding midfield situation. Because if you're going to play Bruno, and if you still think you want to get Pogba in the team, and now the idea of playing him on the left is shut off unless you're leaving either Rashford or Sancho out of the team. Because you have to play a nine. You have to play Cavani, Greenwood, or Martial. One of them has to play. You can't use Rashford through the middle. It doesn't work. He's not comfortable there. So you're either leaving out Pogba, or you're leaving out one of Rashford and Sancho. I don't think, well, first of all, I don't think Ollie's brave enough to do it, to go Pogba as a six in midfield with somebody else, Bruno, or even a flat three of, you know, Bruno and Pogba with a holding midfielder and then whatever front three. I don't think Ollie's brave enough to do that. I think Ollie will want the two more defensive minded midfielders, Fred and McTominay, which means you're having to leave out someone else. Now, we may well see Paul Pogba leave. Leon Goretzka, apparently United have approached his agent. They've told him that Pogba's leaving, that Goretzka will be his replacement. I, I don't think Goretzka would go to United. Um, I don't think United could afford him, at, not after doing Sancho. I don't know that, that Varane is somebody they can now afford. There's an article on ESPN's website. Now, if you read this, the, the title of it and you read the first paragraph, you will be informed that Manchester United are on the brink of agreeing a deal for Raphael Varane. However, if you read the actual article, what it says is United have interest in Varane. They believe Varane is available. They believe they can potentially get him at a price lower than what Real Madrid would like. 
and that they may make an offer. In no part of the actual article does it suggest that United are on the brink, on the verge of doing anything with Varane. It just says they like him. But after having to spend this kind of money on Sancho, which is a lot more than they wanted to spend, they thought they could get him for 50, 55 million. So they've overpaid on what they set out to do. I don't know that the Glazers will be willing to back much more. They may have to go with a cheaper option at centre-back or run back what they had last season. But they have to address that midfield position. I think you can probably patch it up with Lindelof, Bailly and Twanzebi for another year. It's not ideal. They still want a right back as well, apparently. Um, a more attacking one. Trippier is the name, obviously, that's out there. He doesn't solve the problem because Trippier is a worse version of Mounier. Doesn't have that pace, doesn't have that explosion that can help him team up with Sancho on the right. They have been loosely linked with Max Ahrens. Now, that would make a lot of sense. And if you've got Ahrens and Sancho, then all of a sudden you've got something. However, again, Sancho's best football came in 3-4-3. Not as an out-and-out winger in a 4-2-3-1. As more of an inside forward. So you've got multiple problems here where United don't necessarily fix them by signing Sancho. And in fact... Signing Sancho may just create more confusion and add to the problems, and you may not get anything close to his best next season. The plus side for United is that whenever the next manager takes over, he is going to inherit Jaden Sancho among the other talent that they have, Diallo, Rashford, Greenwood, Martial, potentially Pogba, Bruno, Fred, Maguire, etc., etc. Um, obviously, that, that's a sliding scale of talent. Long term, I think United will go back to a 4-4-2, maybe not under Oli, but a 4-4-2 doesn't suit Bruno. But a 4-4-2 with Diallo on the right, he looks a real star in the making. Sancho on the left, Rashford and Greenwood through the middle. That is a front four I really like. The problem is United don't have anything to go behind that. Because you need your fullbacks to push on. Shaw can't push on all the time because of Maguire. You can't play a high line because of Maguire. You could try and play a high line if you get Varane, but Maguire's still going to be an issue. And Varane used to be lightning quick, isn't anymore, largely because he's had to change his game because of all the injuries he had as a younger player. He's not, he's not as injury-prone anymore, but that's because he's not exerting his, his body in the way he used to. And if you play Maguire in a high line, you really have to tell your left back, you need to tuck in. You're going to play more as a recycler than bombing forward so again you're not getting the best of Sancho if he's on the left or if Sancho's on the right or if it's Diallo you still need an attacking right back and you're still going to have Juan Bissaka so Sancho's a great signing let's not confuse that he's a tremendous player he has absolutely torn up the Bundesliga for the last few years at 21 he's got so much potential so much room to grow he doesn't fix the problems at United he doesn't make them title contenders. He doesn't make them Champions League winners. He just adds to the confusion. And maybe complicates things a little bit more in terms of one of Pogba, Rashford and him are always going to be sitting on the bench. Um, other news. Lionel Messi is officially a free agent. His contract expired 
at midnight last night. He is in Argentina, obviously. Or he's in Brazil, rather, with, with Argentina playing in the Copa America. There are some reports that there is the framework of a new two-year deal in place, that he wants to stay, that obviously Barca want him to stay. He pushed for Laporta to run uh, as president. Laporta was there before. He oversaw the building of what became the dynasty at Barca. He's got a close relationship with Messi. So you'd imagine a deal gets done. But I do wonder if there are moments when the powers that be are bar- at Barca look at the situation and think, maybe we'd be better off letting him go. Now, don't get me wrong. He's one of the best players of all time. He's without doubt the best player of the last 15 years. He's a sensational player, and he's probably still, if not the best player in the world, still in that conversation right now. However, Barcelona are a billion euro in debt. I mean, just, just, just let that soak into your into your mind for a minute. A billion euro in debt as a football club, not as an individual billionaire rich guy with, you know. Five billion in assets and a, and a billion in debt. This is a football club who are a billion quid in debt. And if they had a fancy new stadium or a spruced up, renovated new camp, if they had comfortably the best squad in Europe, you'd understand. You, you might not understand, but you you could see what they'd spent the money on. But this squad, a crumbling new camp. It's not ideal. It's not ideal. And he earns about 100 million a year. It's about 50 million a year in wages and about 50 million a year in bonuses and image rights. And you wonder if Barca would be better off thanking him for absolutely everything, unveiling a statue, and saying goodbye. And maybe starting over, clearing the decks, selling off whatever they can sell off in terms of the playing squad. Letting go of PK and Busquets and Alba and those older players and rebuilding with Ter Stegen in goal. Areo is one of the centre-backs. Frankie in midfield. Pedri in midfield. Ansu Fati up front. Maybe you keep Trincao and a couple of the other young players and just start again. Try and clear as much of that debt as possible. Get it into a manageable situation. What they've done is they've gone and got another line of credit. So in theory, they're about $1.2 billion in debt. Now, that's just, it's appalling. If that was any other club, bar them and Real Madrid, that club would be sunk. That club would have no way to repay that. It, the chances of Barca repaying that even in 10 years are minimal. Their turnover last year was like eight or 900 million. And their profit was about a million. It could have been like two years ago, before, before COVID. But they spend so much of their money on upkeep of the stadium, 
signing players and obviously their wage bill is just completely out of control. Their wage bill is about 600 million a year. For context, Liverpool's is about 300 million a year and Liverpool's is out of control. But Barca's decision making is appalling. Like the 145 million on Coutinho, I know it was 105 up front and then the add-ons, but it's an awful lot of money. At the same time, you're spending the same amount of money on Usman Dembele. They spent the better part of 100 million on Antoine Griezmann. They gave him, I think it's, is it 600 grand a week he's on? About 30 million a year? Like, those type of contracts to 28, 29 year old players, if they're players that have been with your club for years and that you've developed, they've played a big part in your success, but to buy a player for a huge sum at that age and give them that contract, I just think is the wrong way to run a football club. I really do think it's the wrong way to do things. Now, they're not going to let Messi go because the bottom line for them is they want to stay competitive on the pitch. To do that, they need Messi. And from a footballing point of view, that's probably the right decision because what I've suggested, that's going to take two, three, four years. And that's not going to sit well with the Barcelona fans. That's probably going to end in Laporta out the door and a succession of managers because the fans won't accept, you know, year on year of rebuilding. Barca fans expect it now. Managers have won the title at Barca and the fans have turned on them because the football isn't pretty enough. So they're they're not going to accept if they have two or three years or maybe they even miss Champions League as they try to rebuild. But they need to get this messy thing done if they're if they're going to keep him. Um, they need to get it done soon because you know his agent is going to be out there considering offers or looking at offers because that's his job as an agent. And you know PSG have probably been in touch. Man City have probably been in touch. Chelsea probably kicked the tires on it. Real probably kicked the tires on it to see if there was any possibility they could get that massive one over on their rivals. Um, if Paratici was still at... At Juve, he'd be inquiring as well. But as things stand, he'll go back to Barca and he'll age there. And it's a shame in a way because the team around him is not worthy of him. And that's kind of the other factor in it. Maybe for him, it would be better if Barca would let him leave. For him, he could go and experience something new. Maybe go to Paris Saint-Germain, play with Neymar. That might keep Mbappe there. He'd play 15 to 20 uh, league on games a season and then just focus on the Champions League and maybe that would be better for him than having to drag a team of players that bar a handful aren't worthy of sharing the field with them uh, today is Thursday obviously I have no Twitter account at the moment uh, still no reason still have not been told why um, I've appealed twice Uh, They have refused my appeals. I'm going to appeal again and again and again until somebody gives me a real answer as to what I supposedly did wrong. Um, But what we did was we put it up on the Discord channel, the Anfield Index Discord channel. There is a two-footed podcast thread in there. If you're an Anfield Index subscriber or even just a listener on the free side, uh, do join the Discord and... um, there's a bunch of uh, you know text channels for 
people who aren't subscribers, and then there's a bunch of subscriber-only areas. But there's still plenty of uh, of good crack to be had there. Um, plenty of good people involved as well. So if you're listening and you want to send me questions for Thursdays while I have no Twitter account, that's the place to do it. We've got a few questions today, so we'll go through them, starting with uh, Mason Dixon Red. Uh, assuming you're happy... So, yeah, this will be obviously Liverpool-centric, so apologies to those who aren't Liverpool fans that listen, but I, I'm my hands are tied at the moment. Um, assuming you're happy with the starting back four and goalkeeper for Liverpool, along with Fabinho and Thiago as two of the midfielders... What players should Liverpool be realistically signing this summer? Not who you think we will sign, but if, if you were Edwards or Klopp at this very moment, what would you do given the FSG limitations with the squad? So, I've said before, going into this summer, I thought Liverpool needed six players. A backup goalkeeper, a backup right-back, two centre-backs, Another one in midfield, preferably a starter. And another one up front. Squad player, but preferably starter to replace uh, Firmino, who would become a squad player. They've got Kanati in, so that's one centre-back done. They've re-signed Adrian. Not a move I would have done, but it's what they've done, obviously. Penny pinching from the ownership. So they've had to re-sign him and keep him around. So. It looks like Kelleher will now stay and not go on loan as the number two, with Adrian as the number three. More more kept for, you know, involvement in training rather than involvement in games. Uh, so that kind of takes care of that. They're not going to sign a, ba- a backup right back from what I'm hearing. So it looks like it'll be Milner, Oxlade-Chamberlain, and maybe even Joe Gomez at times who'll fill in for... Uh, for Trent. Now, none of those are good options at the moment. Gomez isn't a good right-back. Coming back off that injury, asking him to perform the duties of a right-back would concern me. Fine if he plays it as a very defensive right-back, but then that completely alters how Liverpool play. Milner's too slow and not good enough on the ball or off the ball, uh, not good enough defensively to play right-back. Doesn't have the pace, doesn't have the positional intelligence. It's just not a fit. He played left back for a year. He was very, very average. He's now four years older. Five years old? Four years older. Um, it's not a promising thing. Oxley chamberlain could be interesting. Now, he doesn't have the positional intelligence, doesn't have the experience in that position, but he does at least have the pace and not quite Trent's level of, of delivery, but he can deliver a good cross into the box. He wouldn't alter how you play massively. Um, so you could get away with, with Ox as the backup right back. Wouldn't be my choice. I would rather go and sign a Jed Spence or a Jaden Bogle or somebody like that, bring them in, develop them behind Trent. And look, worst case scenario, two, three years down the line, they want to go and play somewhere. You just sell them on at a profit. Um, I don't think they're going to buy the second center back that they need. I think they're going to take the risk again of, Virgil, Matip, Gomez, now Kanate. Uh, Kanate has had hip problems. Now, he has been fit mostly for the last year or so. Good. But Matip's coming back off a bad injury, has played a quarter of the Premier League games the last two seasons. 
Virgil's coming back off a torn ACL. Missed all of last season by the first four and a half games. And Joe Gomez is coming off a torn patella tendon, which is a devastating injury. Probably one of the two or three worst uh, footballer can get. Um, I think the the quadricep tendon and the Achilles tendon are the are the two that are in the same area, or maybe even worse. But it's one of the worst injuries a player can have, especially a player like Gomez, a, a fast twitch player who relies a lot on his speed and recovery. So for me, it's a big risk for Liverpool. Now they'll. Keep Ben Davies by the looks of it. They might keep Reese Williams around. Uh, they'll sell Nat Phillips and rightly so. But they should have been keeping Ozan Kabak. That's penny pinching again. I do think they'll buy a midfielder. I do think they'll bring in one up front. However, I don't think it's going to be the players we're hoping for. I think you could well see Daniel Mallon as the attacker who arrives. Uh, for me, doesn't start straight away, but does at least have the potential to start in a year or so can play across the line as a nine or from the left can play from the right, but mostly as a nine or from the left. So you'd have him and Jota behind the normal front three. It's good. It's not great. It's not ideal. It's not what you would want, but it's an affordable move. It's a move. Liverpool probably can complete. Now Mino Raiola might make things a little bit complicated. I would prefer Rafinha. I, I've been clear on that. I would like to bring in Rafinha. I'd like to change the shape, but, 4-3-3 is what, what Klopp may well stick with. And if that is the case, I think Daniel Malin could be the attacker. And in terms of midfield, I think they'd like Renato Sanchez if the injuries, if they could be certain of the injuries. I think the one they'd love is Leon Goretzka. Now, you go back to 2018, they thought they had Goretzka signed. He did a U-turn at the last minute, went to Bayern Munich on a free from Schalke. I think Liverpool have probably kept tabs on him. I think if he is available, I think they'll at least inquire. I don't know that Bayern are in a particularly strong position with him. He's got a year left in his contract. He wants, by all accounts, to be paid worthy of his status at the club. Now, when you hear people say, Oh, he's looking for 400 grand a week. That's largely nonsense. So remember with David Alaba, he asked Bayern for 400 grand a week. So the assumption was, oh, he's getting 400 grand a week wherever he goes. And he didn't get that going to Real. He got a really hefty pay packet, don't get me wrong, but he didn't get that. Why he wanted 400 grand a week is because that's what Leroy Sané came in on. Leroy Sané was signed from Man City and they gave him 400 grand a week. And the likes of Alaba, the likes of Goretzka, Kimmich, Gnabry and Kingsley Coman, all of whom played big roles, some of them key roles in Bayern's success, not just in the treble winning season, but in the better part of the decade leading up to that. All of them turned around and said, well, why is he getting that money when we're not? And now they've started to push. None of them had a problem with Lewandowski getting it because Lewandowski had been there, done it, earned it at Bayern. Leroy Sané was coming off a torn ACL, was brilliant at City for a couple of years. Brilliant. Best left winger in the league. But coming off a torn ACL had never done anything for Bayern. So the mentality at Bayern is, if you're going to get that big money, you best have earned it here. 
I think that was Alaba's argument was like, I've been here since I was a kid. I've won everything. I've done everything. I want that money. I don't think he would have asked for that level if it hadn't been for Sane, and I think he probably would have stayed. I think Goretzka, if Liverpool said to him, we will bring you in on par with our highest earners, Van Dijk, Salah, I think he'd be more than happy with that. I think if he went to United, he'd want what their highest earners get, but I think his view on it is he wants to be paid relative to his standing in the team, what he brings to the team. So I do think Liverpool will will kick the tyres on Goretzka if that contract situation doesn't get resolved. I think Renato might be more realistic from a financial point of view. His wages will be lower regardless, and the fee would be lower. He's also younger, but the injuries are a concern. They may, may revert back to ease Basuma. I'm not overly keen on that. He's a good player, but I think he's a I think he's a starter for a team whose ambition is to finish fifth to eighth. That's what I think he is. I think he's a squad player above that. A good squad player, no doubt. But Liverpool need a starter in midfield to go with Fabinho and Thiago. Because Naby Keita's injury prone, Oxley Chamberlain's injury prone, Henderson is injury prone and declining. Milner's injury prone and declined. And Curtis Jones is a kid. So I think Liverpool need a starter in midfield if they're going to stick with 4-3-3. And um, I think Basuma may be the one that ends up happening. But maybe they go for Goretzka and then maybe Bayern go and buy Florian Newhouse, who is a big target for Bayern anyway. And maybe that works for everybody. Goretzka gets the big contract he wants at a new club. Liverpool get the midfielder. That is the perfect complement to what they have. Bayern get the money to buy the midfielder that they want and replace the midfielder who's potentially looking to force his way out anyway. So maybe that works. But I I think Basuma or Renato Sanchez probably more likely um, than than anything else. Jiggle. Jiggle Wizard, uh, if the top six Premier League clubs could only buy from each other, what are the realistic deals that could happen, should happen to strengthen each team? So are we talking about the big six here? So Liverpool, United, Arsenal, Chelsea, City, Spurs. Um, Let me think. Okay, so Liverpool, again, needs one in attack. So the ideal signing for Liverpool in attack from the other big six clubs, I think, is Youngman Son. I think I think he would be absolutely perfect in Liverpool's front three. Um, I think you can play him through the middle, or you could move Mane to the right, Salah through the middle, and play Son off the left. I think that one works really well. In terms of their, their need in midfield, I mean, I'd take Bruno all day. Um, you'd take De Bruyne all day, obviously. Under the radar, Yanhel Herrera, who City have been loaning out for the last few years, he'd be a good fit for Liverpool. He's a very Klopp-ish midfielder. Kovacic would be a good signing from, from uh, Chelsea. He would fit how Liverpool want to play. 
I think it'd be hilarious to see Kante and Fabinho in the same midfield, and you could just give Thiago a, a you know a deck chair and let him work on his tan while pinging the ball around. Thomas Partey be a great fit in midfield. Thomas Partey as the right of the midfield three would be would be tremendous. He he'd be the midfielder I think that's the best fit who walks in and starts day one. De Bruyne is the best player, but he's not. You'd be asking Klopp to alter things. If you just want how the, the team plays, keep them the same. Partey and Son. Um, for City, City's needs are a left-back and a nine. Or another another goal-scoring forward. Another goal-scoring forward is probably better. And I think Salah is the one that would be perfect for them. But again, Youngman's son makes a ton of sense for them. They will most likely try for Harry Kane. I don't know if they'll get him. Maybe they will. Um, Levy can be very, very stubborn when he wants to be. It'll all depend on how much Kane is willing to force the issue, I think. But Salah or Son will be perfect there. Uh, as for left-back, I mean, take your pick. Andy Robertson, Luke Shaw, uh, Sergio Regulon, Kieran Tierney. I think Ben Chilwell. I think City have the worst left-back of the big six. Um, for Chelsea, they definitely take Allison. I think he, he'd be the, the goalkeeper. That would be the upgrade on Mendy, who I'm not massively keen on. Good shot-stopper, but but is, he is error-prone and his judgment is lacking. Um, uh, you look at their back three, I think what they need is a left-footed centre-back for balance. So go Rudiger, Christensen maybe, or Thiago Silva maybe. Um, not ideal, but I, I'd prefer Christensen. And then go um, left-footer. So Merrick Laporte would make sense. They're sorted at wing-back. I think they could do. I think I think they actually could do with a Fabinho or a Rodri, someone who does that sitting role in midfield, and let Kante go and and do his thing. Let Mount push forward. Let Kovacic push forward. I think Fabinho or Rodri would be ideal up front. I think they're good. I don't. I don't think they need to do anything up front. I, I like what they have. I've said before. I would play Pulisic on the right. Havertz through the middle and Werner on the left of my front three. Get them in nice and close. Get your wing backs pushed really high. Mount breaking from midfield or Kante, you know, roaming around, picking up second balls, etc. And just shuttling them out wide. Those That's what I do for Chelsea. Uh, for Spurs, two centre-backs and a goalkeeper really are the needs. Um... Again, you're looking at Allison is the best goalkeeper of the of the six without question. Um, Laporte is is a perfect fit on the left of their back three. Gabriel wouldn't be a bad fit there either. I think they could do with a right back. Jao Canseo opposite Regulon would be brilliant. The two of them just bombing forward all day. Trent would obviously be a, be a good option either. Um, right side centre back in a three. They've been linked with his buddy, but Andreas Christensen would fit really well for Spurs. Um, he's obviously had a really good Euros as well, especially the last couple of games. They're fine in midfield. They're fine in attack. They don't need a whole lot of much. And then Arsenal. 
I mean, United next will go again. Again, I think it's it's Fabinho, and it's probably mad as it might sound, Kurt Zuma. Virgil plays left side. Let's leave him left side, and they've got Maguire. It's not a big hole at left side. The hole is at right side, and you don't have anyone at Spurs. You don't have anyone at Arsenal. Ruben Diaz and John Stones aren't it. I mean, Joe Gomez would work if he's fully fit. But other than Gomez, I think Kurt Zuma or or Antonio Rudiger would be that would be the fit there. Rudiger's probably better than Zuma, so we'll go Rudiger. Um, Fabinho, the holding midfielder, and then the biggest need for them is a new manager. So pick any of the others except for Arteta. Even Nuno, uh, pick him. He's better than Oli. Um, Arsenal goalkeeper again. You want you'd want Allison right back. I think Trent would be perfect, uh, but then he, he just he is like the best right back in the league. So of course, but um, again, you could I mean Kyle Walker would be an upgrade on what they have there. Kinsale would be an upgrade on what they have there. I like what they have at centre back. I like Saliba. I like Gabriel. I don't like the signing of Ben White. I, I wouldn't mind him if you're playing him at right back. And you're going to just be a, a flat back four, and your fullbacks aren't going to be asked to overlap. But then that's kind of goes against what what Arteta is meant to be doing. Uh, I like the midfield. I, that's all I'd really do: goalkeeper and right back. Again, new manager needed. Anyone but Ollie. Anyone but Ollie is better. Um, so yeah, that's that's the top six. They're the now you said realistic. Um, I don't know how none of them are really like Liverpool aren't going to let go of a lot of those players. I don't think there's a lot of realistic transfers between the the big six. Being honest, I think there's times where United say United or City or Chelsea will overpay for a player from Spurs or Arsenal. Liverpool a few years ago obviously sold Sterling to. City, but Liverpool were at a very weak point at the time. Poor manager, poorly run in terms of the, the managing director. Um, they created the situation for themselves with Sterling. Um, and they had no choice. They sold him at what was a fair market value. It's turned out to be a bargain for City. But that is what it is. I don't think Liverpool would sell to any of them. I don't think City or Chelsea would sell to any. I don't think United would sell to any United might sell to Chelsea. I don't think there's a, a huge rivalry between the two. But the clubs you'd most likely be buying from are Arsenal and, and Spurs. Uh Yankee BX, whose summer business has impressed you so far and why? Leicester. I think DACA solves a long-term need in that they needed a long-term replacement for for Vardy. Now they have it. Um, it looks like they've got um, Sumare done as well. Obviously, I really like him. I think he's a tremendous young midfielder. I think he fits what they're doing, fits the style of play, can play with Ndidi, can play instead of Ndidi when Ndidi's out, can play in a two, in a three, in a diamond. I, I think he's a tremendous signing. Good value as well. $22 million for Daka, in and around the same for Sumare. Looks like Ryan Bertrand has agreed a two-year contract with an option for a third year as well on a free. 
It's a clever signing. Solid, reliable, experienced Premier League player. Comes in in a position of need. A backup left back was a position of need for them. I think Leicester have done good business. I still think they need to find a long-term successor to Casper Schmeichel. Now, if Danny Ward gets a move this summer and there's a lot of talk that clubs are interested, maybe they'll use that money and go and buy the long-term successor for Casper. And then it's a question of what shape will Rodgers play? Will it be 4-1-4-1 uh, as he has for quite a time at Leicester? In which case, you'd look at their best team as being Casper with a new goalkeeper behind him. At right back, you'd have Pereira and Castanier. At left back, James Justin once he's fit and Ryan Bertrand. In the middle, Fafana and Sionchu with Evans and Benkovic as the depth. I think that's I think that's strong. Ndidi then is the holding midfielder and say Sumari is the backup, but he'll also be a rotation in the two eight positions. The two eights will be Madison if he stays and Tielemans if he stays. Now, again, one of them could leave, uh, but they've still got Dennis Pryat as a backup to both of them. And then they've still got Hamza Chowdhury and Nampali's Mendy as, as squad depth in midfield. Harvey Barnes on one wing. Good player. I, I really like him. I think, he's, I think he's quality. I think they could do with a bit more, a little bit more depth, but all Brighton in the short term is fine as, as depth there. I still think they need a starting right winger in that shape. That 4-1-4-1 needs a starting right winger. And then you've got Iosi Perez as the backup. Up front, now you've got Vardy, you've got Ianacho, and you've got Daka. So you are sorted. Long-term solution and goal. Maybe a fifth centre-back just for that depth and a starting right winger. That's all they really need now, uh, assuming everything else stays the same. If he's going to play a back three... Again, I think Justin as a as a right side centre back in a three, Sayuncu as the left side, Fafana, and then you've got Benkovic and Evans as depth, or Evans could start, Fafana could be a bit of depth. You've got um Castanier as the left wing back starting, Pereira as the right wing back, Bertrand as the backup, Castanier can be the backup on the right, Ndidi and Thielemans, Sumari and Priet. Madison is the 10. Barnes can fill in there. Perez can fill in there. And then I'd assume that it would be Barnes and Vardy or Barnes and Iheanacho with Vardy and or Iheanacho and Daka as depth. So in the back three, they're probably closer to the finished product. In the 4-1-4-1, they need that right winger. But the, the backup goalkeeper and maybe one more centre-back for a bit of depth. I think... I think they're three players away from having what I think Rodgers would look at as his perfect squad or, or as close to it as he's going to get at Leicester with, with their budgetary constraints. Um, but yeah, their business so far has, has really impressed me. Um, if you want the club whose business hasn't, it's Arsenal. 50 million for Ben White is ludicrous. Aaron Ramsdale is ludicrous. I don't understand what they're doing at all. Um, Shamik, top three to sell... And top three to buy for Rafa Benitez at Everton. Part two to the question, if there's any ex-player who has played for Rafa in the past, who would that be? Um, you're really only looking at Newcastle. Because the jobs before that, the players are probably past the point where they'd be really useful. 
Um, you could you could make an argument for Isco, but I wouldn't I wouldn't touch him if I wouldn't spend your money on him, let alone my own. I would say from Newcastle, there's two. Mikel Moreno, the Spanish central midfielder, who is now at Real Sociedad. Rafa brought him in from Borussia Dortmund, I think. Uh, and he went on to Sociedad. I think he would be a good fit at Everton next to Alain or Decore. I think he could potentially play in a three with both of them, but I think Rafa will play in midfield too. Um, so Mikel Moreno would be one. I think Miguel, Miguel, um, Miguel Almiron of Newcastle would be another. I, he's never shown what he's capable of at Newcastle because of the way he's been asked to play, but Rafa really liked him. And I think Rafa eventually would have gotten the best out of him. He would have used him in different ways. But with the way their budget works, they just don't have any money unless it's you know given to Steve Bruce to buy Grocks. So they'd be the two. Other than that, I don't think so. Um, top three to sell at Everton. Andre Gomes, too lazy, doesn't work for Rafa. James Rodriguez, lazy, massive wages, get him gone. I would sell Pickford. I, Anybody who's ever listened to me on the matter, I just don't think he's a good goalkeeper. He's having a very good Euros, and congratulations to him. But I just don't think he's a very good goalkeeper. If you concede 50 goals every single season, you're just not a good goalkeeper, in my view. Especially when you're not playing behind scrubs. You've got good defenders in front of you. If you make every single season four or five errors that lead to a goal, you're just not a good goalkeeper for me. Um, I would sell Pickford, but I don't think Rafa will, not straight away. I think Hammers, I think Gomes, and I think uh, just Cenk Tusen. He's on big wages. Get him out the club. Get him gone and clear the decks and let's move on. Top three to buy is tough. Um, I think from from what he has there now, the the glaring need is probably a number 10. Then I'd want a right winger. I'd probably want a right back, but Holgate could definitely do the job there. And I would want a goalkeeper. I like Dinya. I like Godfrey. Maybe you want a centre. Maybe you want a more commanding centre-back as well to go next to Godfrey. Or a quicker centre-back with Godfrey, maybe. Someone like Mark Wehi, maybe, from, from Chelsea. Not commanding, but but quick, really good defender, reads the game well. Him and Godfrey, as a long-term pairing, could be very, very good. I, I, I'll i say him. I think Holgate, Godfrey, Guehi, Dinia as a back three. Because what you can do then is you push Dinia forward and you just slide to a back three. And when Rafa was at Liverpool, he'd often play an attacking left back, be it Aurelio or Decina. They'd bomb forward, and Arbeloa would come narrow next to Carragher, and then Agar or Skirtle, depending on who it was. If, if Agar was fit, it was him. Um, and that would that would basically form a back three and let the, the one fullback provide width. Um, so, yeah, I'll go Mark Wehi of, of Chelsea. Um, 
I mean, I think the 10 he'd love is actually at Chelsea as well. I think he'd love Mason Mount. But obviously, he's not going to be available. Joe Willock. From an affordability point of view. Now, again, I think last season's a little bit of fool's gold. I don't think he's going to be that kind of player regularly scoring that level of goals. But I do think Willock's skill set, athleticism, aggression off the ball, I think that would play well with Rafa. Now, he wouldn't be, he's not ideal. Like the, You'd ideally like someone with a bit more about them on the ball. Willock's strengths are movement off the ball, getting into the box, timing those runs. If you could find a younger, better version of Aaron, Rams- uh, Aaron Ramsey, that would probably work for Rafa. Just trying to think around the different leagues who would be a fit for him. I mean, he's had injury problems, but he's so gifted. And if they could get him in and play him as a 10, and I know that Rafa tried to sign him before, I think, I think I'm right in saying Rafa tried to sign him for Napoli when he was only a kid. Yeah, Julian Draxler. He is now 27. He'll be 28 in September. But I think he fits the profile of what Rafa would ideally like as a 10. Rangy athlete, good pace, good power, ability to score goals. Now, Draxler doesn't always put in the work off the ball. But Rafa did definitely try to sign him for Napoli when he was only, he was only a kid. He was like 19, maybe 18. He wasn't long in the team. Um, I, I'll say Julian Draxler as a 10 because, and, and part of the reason is I think Everton need a bit of a star name this summer if Hamez is going to go. Yeah, Rafa was at Napoli from 13 to 15. So Draxler would have been like 2021. Yeah, that's about right. Um, I think Draxler's a big enough name. He's still got enough juice left in the tank to come in and do that job to a high level for Rafa. Um, And then the right winger, if I'm playing Holgate right back, I need someone that will provide width. I need a natural right winger who can deliver high quality crosses to Calvert-Lewin and to Richarlison coming at the back post. Julian Brand. Julian Brand, I think, would be really good. Hardworking player, creative, inventive, versatile. I think Rafa would love him. I'll, I'll go Mark Wahey, Julian Draxler, and Julian Brand. And I think that team... Now, I'm, you, you know I'm not going to be keen on Pickford. But I think that team gets at least eighth. And that's a big step up from what they've been the last couple of years. I think it'll have good cup runs. There's decent enough depth there. I'd still want that upgrade in the in goalkeeper. Um, Rajkovic from Stad Reims would be my choice. But if it's Pickford, Holgate, Godfrey, uh, Godfrey Gwehi, Dina, Alain, Decoure, Brand, Draxler, Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, 
I think it's a good team. I think it's a good team. I think it's better than what Arsenal put out. Because <laughs> Arsenal, well, number one, they're managed by a PE teacher. Number two, they're going to have Ben White playing. Possibly Aaron Ramsdale in goal, the worst keeper in the league. Um, yeah, that's what I'd do. Just being, now be, that's being realistic about what I think Everton can do this summer. Um, it's probably 25, 30 million for Brand, probably 25 for Draxler. Um, Gwehi, I don't know. Maybe you get him on loan with an option to buy for 2025. Something similar to the Tamori deal. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a strong team. I do. And I think it's, I think it's a couple of players away from really kicking on goalkeeper and a better partner for a land in the middle of the park, but it's not bad. Not bad at all. Um, Mr. Ecker, who is going to perform better for the respective clubs and realistic targets, Rafa at Everton or Nuno at Spurs? Hmm. Bonus, what would be your prediction for Inzaghi at Inter? How's he going to do there? I think he'll win the league. Been honest. I think he'll win the league. I know they're losing Hakimi and they may lose one more important player. But I think there's enough quality there. And I think the rest of the league is enough of a distance away from them. Like They've also remembered they signed Chalinoglu. They, they, they're going to lose Christian Eriksen as well. It's, it's worth pointing out. But Chalinoglu will go some way towards replacing him. I think they'll bring in somebody at right back. Who that will be, I don't know. Um, maybe, is it Lazari from, from Lazio? Could be an option. I think he'll win the league. I think Inzaghi will win the league with that team. Uh, as for the other two, so what are the expectations? I think the expectation for Nuno has got to be top four. It has to be. It was top four for Jose. It has to be top four for Nuno. For Rafa, I think it's top eight. If I'm honest, I think eighth is the best Everton can do. The big six and Leicester should all finish above Everton. At this point, that's where Everton are. At best, they're eighth in the league. So who's going to achieve that? I think there's more chance of Rafa achieving it at Everton than Nuno getting top four at Spurs. Because I think Rafa's a better manager than Nuno. And that's basically what it comes down to. I think Rafa Benitez is a better manager, even at this point, than Nuno Espirito Santo is. And I would back Rafa to do better in terms of expectation than Nuno. Nuno will finish above Rafa, but that's not where the expectation starts. The expectation is, I think for Spurs, they have to, they should be getting fourth. For Everton, I think they should be finishing eighth. I think that's where their squad lands them. And I think Rafa is more likely to achieve that or overachieve than Nuno is to get fourth or overachieve there. Um, going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll uh, have two more questions. Uh, one from Chris, one from YNWA Foodie. We'll wrap up with the gossip and we'll be gone. See you in a minute. Right, welcome back. So, uh, two more questions to get through. One from Chris Colby. Uh, my question was, ranking the biggest talents at Dortmund from the last few years, 
based on current levels and five years from now. I may miss a few, but Haaland, Bellingham, Reina, Sancho, Isak, Renier, and Hakimi. No, sorry, and Pulisic. I'm going to add Hakimi in, though. Uh, because obviously I know he was on loan, but so was Renier, so I'm, I'm going to add him in. I would say of that group, of that group, I think Haaland stands top in terms of current level and where he will get to. In terms of current level, I think Hakimi is second. Best right back in Europe last season. On to PSG. I think he's only going to get better. I do think his ceiling is among the lowest of these players. But that's because I think right backs in general have a lower potential ceiling than most attacking players. But right now I think he's second. Sancho is third right now. In terms of ceiling... I think at best he's third, he's potentially fourth. But I'll be I'll be kind and I'll say I think he's third. So third best now, third best long term. Right now, Renier is the worst of these players. And I think maybe has the lowest ceiling as well. I think he'll be very good. I don't think he gets to be great. Second second worst, and worst is, is not the right word, but you get what I mean, I think is, is Gio Reyna. But potentially, I think he's fifth on this list. Next up, I'm going to say Pulisic. But I think his ceiling is the second lowest on this list, above Reynier, below Reyna. Isaac, I think, is the fourth best. And I think he's got the fourth best ceiling. Let me write this down so I'm not making mistakes. So right now, I think it's Haaland, Hakimi, Sancho, Isaac, I think Bellingham is the fifth best right now. I think I think Pulisic is the sixth best now. Reina is the seventh best. And Rainier is the eighth best. Long term, I think it goes Haaland, Bellingham, Sancho, Isak, Reina, Hakimi, Pulisic, and Rainier. Yeah, so Haaland, Hakimi, Sancho, Isaac, Isaac, Bellingham, Pulisic, Reina, Rainier as my current list of eight. 
And then long-term, Haaland, Bellingham, Sancho, Isaac, Reina, Hakimi, Pulisic, and Rainier. And then you ask about young Mukako, Makuku, I think his name is, I'm not really sure. Um, I don't know, it's the honest answer. I mean, he's only, what is he, 16, 17? He's so, so young that it's just very, very hard to know where he's going to be in, what, four or five years? I I think it's a long time to try and project. Given how little I've seen of him, that's the kind of the bigger issue. Um, obviously, very, very gifted. There's no, there's no question he's an incredibly talented player. And Dortmund are extremely excited about what he may become. Like, I don't think Dortmund were anywhere near as excited about even Sancho or any of those. He's 16. He'll be 17 in November. Now, he's played 14 games for Dortmund's senior team in the league and scored three goals, one in the Champions League. It's hard to know. Based on what Based on what you read and hear about him, I think he's probably third or fourth on the list, potentially. But, I mean, if he's ninth on the list, he's still likely to be a really good player. Because these are really good players we're talking about. Um, I, I I don't know is the question, is the, is the answer on him. That's been honest with you. Now, you had another question, um, and we will do that on the... Uh, Europod, myself and Carl, we will do that Friday on the Europod. So, um, Guy, if you can mark this down, that we need to do Chris Colby's question on Friday. Um, thanking you. Rightio. So, the last question then, YNWA Foodie, uh, coming with the goods, you are the new owner of a Premier League team. You need to rebuild the whole structure, i.e. new backroom staff and players. You need to find a new CEO or chairman, a new head of commercial, a head of recruitment, a new sporting director, a new manager, new head of fitness, a new starting 11, and seven substitutes. However, you cannot buy or recruit anyone currently at a Premier League club apart from five English players. For, furthermore, you need to win back the fans and trust, especially as a new owner. What would you do to gain their trust and get them coming back to the stadium? So the first thing I would do is would drop ticket prices. When you look at what Premier League clubs make from ticket prices, it really, for a lot of clubs, is fairly insignificant. So I think you can bring those ticket prices right down. I would also create an area of the stadium where specifically it's a walk-up, pay-on-the-day, come in and make as much noise as you possibly can kind of area. Behind one of the goals is the obvious area to do that. No pre-sold tickets. Walk-up, pay-on-the-day. If there's 8,000 seats in that stand, there are 8,000 people can get in. If you do not get in, sorry, first come, first served. Create that atmosphere. Again, those ticket prices, we're talking 15, 20 quid maximum. Maybe even less. 
You walk up, you pay your money, you get given your ticket, you walk inside, you find your seat, and off you go. That's what I would do, first and foremost. Secondly, I would create an advisory committee. I would bring on board fans from different organizations connected to my club, find out what they need, what's important to them, what does the match day experience need for them, what community projects can we help with, food banks, after-school projects, defibrillators for local leagues, things like that. That would be important to me. So that is how I would reach the fans. Now, you didn't give me a budget. You didn't tell me what club. So what I've done is I've taken a bit of initiative. And I've taken the club in the Premier League that I know are for sale. Wolves. Okay? Now, you've basically told me I need to buy 18 players. So my assumption then is that I need to sell 18 players. Or at least all the players currently on the books of that club. So I've taken Wolves, and what I've done is I've gone to Transfer Market. Now, I know their pricing can often be a little bit funky, but it's what I've got to work with. Apologies if, it, if, it, if it's not what you were thinking, but it's what I have to work with. So what I'm doing is I'm going to sell every player aged 22 and over plus Pedro Neto, and Fabio Silva, okay? Because I don't want to have a head start where I've got, you know, a really good player in Neto and a good backup striker. We want a fresh slate, but I'm keeping, I'm going to keep the younger players. So I'll keep Morgan Gibbs-White, uh, Leonardo Campa, Owen Atauzi, Andreas Sondergaard, Yeren Mosquera, and Kiana Hoiver uh, as squad players. And I'll sell everybody else. Now, according to Transfer Market, the valuation of the players I'm selling is $325 million. That's including Neto at $30 million, $31 million, which I think is low. I think you'd get substantially more. Um, it's including Connor Cody at $22.5 million. Again, I think you'd get a bit more. And what's the other one? Uh, Ruben Neves. What was Neves's price on this? Typical that I can't find him now when I want him. 40 million. And Adama Traore at 27. Now, I think Neves is about right. I think Adama is a little bit low. But I'm not going to argue with those prices. We're going to go with that. 325 million. Now, as a new owner... Obviously, I want to spend a bit of money as well. So I factored in 100 million of new money into the club to spend, which gives me a budget of 425 million. I hope that's fair. I hope that's okay. Um, as a CEO, I'm appointing myself. I've bought the club. I'm going to run the club. However, I am going to appoint the best people available to run the areas of the team. I'm just going to take the credit for it. Um, as sporting director, I'm going to go with Max Eberl from Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think what he has done at Gladbach over the last 10 or so years is create a sustainable quality team 
without ever spending huge money on individual players, I think what he's done is create a very good team, continually develop talent, make good sales, and reinvest money well. I think he's also made some very good managerial appointments. Marco Rose, Lucien Favre did well there. Um, I think the AD Hooter coming in, I think he'll do well. So Max Burrell would be my um, my sporting director. In terms of head of recruitment, I don't think there's anybody better than Luis Campos. Uh, he's available out of work at the moment, having left Lille. So I'm bringing in him. Head of commercial I struggled with because it's not an area that I pay a whole lot of attention to at other clubs. Um, however, the best person I have seen working in England over the last 30 years in terms of the commercial side of the game was Peter Kenyon, who is largely responsible for United developing the way they did commercially. Um, I've no idea what age Peter Kenyon is at this point. He is probably quite old. Uh, let's see. Peter Kenyon. Okay, 67. Um, he's from... For, Formerly served as, obviously, chief, chief executive of United and Chelsea. Uh, but he is a, he's from a commercial background. He was the former chief executive of Umbro. Um, and I think he would be... He'd be the guy I'd go with. Because, at the very least, he knows how to run a department. He'll bring in the right people. And he'll be aggressive and ambitious in how he's recruiting. Um... What else did you ask me for? A head of fitness. So again, this is not an area that I'm overly familiar with. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into my own phone book. I'm going to find Simon Brundish's number. And I'm either going to appoint Simon Brundish or I'm going to ask Simon Brundish to recommend somebody. Um, but yeah, I'm going to probably just go with Brundish. Um, he lives in Derby. It's not all that far from Wolverhampton. How far is Derby from Wolverhampton? He drives a nice... I'll buy him a new car. Uh, Derby to Wolverhampton. Derby to Wolverhampton is an hour and ten minutes drive on the A38. I mean, you can't ask for better. He's all over the country with his job at the minute. Ah, he'll be fine. He'll be absolutely fine. Little bits of traffic here and there, but I think he'll be okay. Um, I'll buy him a new house in Cannock. If he wants one. I don't know what Canuck is like. So apologies if it's not a nice place. But yeah, I'm going to take Simon Brundish as my head of fitness. Or, like I say, appoint him as a consultant. Um, and he can he can staff the department for me. Again, with manager, <clears throat> I want to make a splash here. So I'm going to go for the best guy available. And the best guy available, without a shadow of a doubt, is Antonio Conte. Now, what I'm going to say to him is, this is a project. We're building something here. You don't have to try and win the league in your first season. That's not realistic. We're going to build something here. You're going to be at the forefront of it. You're going to settle down. You're going to have a great old time living in Wolverhampton. And just enjoy it. Whether he would or not, I don't know. Um... Anyway, if I can't get him, I'll just get whoever whoever's the next best thing to him. But he's the one I'd go for. Uh, because, you know, you have to be a bit ambitious about these things. 
Right, on to the squad. So again, four hundred and twenty-five million is the is the budget I set myself. I think I've come in just inside it. In goal, I've gone for I've gone for two goalkeepers. I've gone for uh, Rajkovic of of Stadrim. He, he's always my go-to goalkeeper. I think he's tremendous. Fifteen million should get him. As a backup, I've gone for Alex McCarthy of Southampton for five million. Now. I wasn't going to. I was going to buy uh, or sign uh, Vaklik, the goalkeeper for the Czech Republic, who's on a free this summer. But because I had to sign five English players, I figured one of them should be the goal, one of the backup goalkeepers. So I went with Alex McCarthy, who I do think is a decent goalkeeper. And as a backup to Rajkovic, I think he's fine. Um, at right wing back, so obviously with, with Conte, we're playing a back three. Wing backs, three in midfield, and two up top. So right wing back, Max Ahrens. I think thirty million gets Max Ahrens this summer. Um and I think he's he's a tremendous talent. So I've gone with him. Now, I've cheated a little bit with this one. I hope you don't mind. Rayan Aitnuri played for Wolves last season. They had an option to buy, which as of yet they have not taken up. However, I would take it up. Now, I believe that option to buy is for $12 million, So I would bring in him. I think he's exceptionally good. Huge potential. He's the one I'd go for. As backup wingbacks, I'm going Jed Spence from Middlesbrough and Lee Buchanan from Derby. Right wing back, left wing back. I think $8 million gets Spence. $5 million gets Buchanan. Both clubs have a little bit of financial constraints going on, especially Derby. Um, so that's 13 million for them, which gives me a total of about 55 million for my four wingbacks. 20 million spent in goal, 55 here as wingbacks. Um, I got carried away with the centre-backs. Now, not in a way where I've spent loads of money, but what I've done is I looked at the best team Conte's had, and as good as this inter-team is, I, I think... His Juve team was better. So I looked at his back three, and he had two aggressive man-to-man defenders either side of a ball-playing, highly intelligent, quality defender. So the middle defender in my back three, playing the Benucci role, is Christian Romero of Atalanta. Now, I could be wrong, but they've just purchased him for 20 million. I think if you turn 20 million euro... I think if I turned around and gave them £40 million, I think a deal could be done. There's already been talk that he could be available. United and Liverpool both linked. I think he's tremendous. He's who I would go with. Without really realising, I went for Lisandro Martinez of Ajax as my left wing, my left side centre-back in that Chiellini role. Not as aggressive, not as physically powerful, but still an aggressive player, front foot defender, very good in the ball, can play multiple positions. I went for him. And as I looked around for right side centre-backs who I thought could fit this, I saw now in Perez's name. Um, squad player at Atletico Madrid, been loaned at a couple of times. They're very high in him, but I do think they'd sell him. So I went with him. So I ended up with an all-Argentine back three. Now he had the all-Italian back three, Barzagli, Benucci, Cialini. And I think he likes having that kind of communication in his back line. So Mr. Perez, Mr. Romero and Mr. Martinez in for a combined 80 million. I needed a fourth centre-back. 
And I thought, why break away from this lovely trend? Uh, Leonardo Belardi available from Borussia Dortmund. It doesn't look like Marseille will pick up the option on him. I think 10 million gets him. So I spent 90 million on centre-backs. All of them Argentine. Um, but I think the balance is right. Because Belardi can play all three positions. Martinez can play left side and in the middle. Romero can play across the board. And Perez, I think, could play right side or central. So he'll have the opportunity, Mr. Conte, to mix and match. Um, in midfield, I was a bit ambitious. So I went with Renato Sanchez, because I do think he's available. And obviously it's Wolves, so I want to keep a little bit of that Portuguese heritage that they've developed over the last few years. And I love Renato Sanchez. So I've gone with him. For 35 million. I've gone with Adrian Rabio for 30 million because I've I've read quite a bit that Juventus are open to selling, um, that he would be available. Now his mother is a nightmare, uh, and you'd want her kept well away from the club, but I still think he's a good player. And I like the idea of him as that kind of sitting controlling midfielder with Renato bombing forward box to box. I was unrealistic with my other midfield choice, but again, it's a player I love, and I think he's an ideal Conte midfielder, and that's Leon Goretzka. As I said earlier, there's a lot of talk that he could be available. Um, I think with a year left in his contract, 50 million probably gets it done, so I went for him. And then my fourth midfielder, I went for Mahmoud Dahoud, out of contract at Dortmund in a year. Hasn't always really been first choice, but he's a versatile player. He can play all three of the midfield roles. Uh, so I went with him. So I've got Renato, Goretzka, Rabio, and Dahoud as my midfielders. Um, I think that's 40, 90, and 30 is 120. 135 spent in midfield. We'd say there's maybe another 5 million there. Maybe you go 55 for Goretzka. Goretzka is unrealistic, I, I understand. But I do think Conte would be a draw to him. And I'm paying big wages. I'm paying big wages. I've got to pay big wages to get people to come and live in, in Wolverhampton. So I'm going to pay the big wages. Um, up front, again, I've gone and been aggressive here. So I wanted two strikers and then two backups. I've got four English players in my squad. I've got McCarthy. I've got Aarons. I've got Spence. And I've got Buchanan. So that's four. So I needed a fifth. So as one of my backup strikers, Armstrong from Blackburn. I think he's had a really good season. I think there's a lot of Premier League interest in him. I think 20 million gets it done. So I'll bring in him. I think that's not a bad signing at all. Um, I've gone for Marcus Turam. Max Zaberl has would obviously have great contacts at Gladbach. He's had a contract, I think, in 2022, possibly 2023. Hasn't had the best season. I think he could be got for 20 million. So I've gone for him. So they're my backup two strikers. And then I've got a little carried away. I've gone for Isak and Daniel Malin as my as my front two. Isak for 60 million, just paying his buyout, giving him a nice big contract. Malin, I think, can be had for 25. So I've got 85 million between those two. Um and then twenty, sorry, forty million for the uh, the two strikers. So 
It's 125 million up front, about 140 million in midfield, uh, 90 million on centre backs, say 55 on wing backs, and about 20 on goalkeepers. It's about 425 million. It could be 420, but I think it's 425 million all told. Uh, that's what I would do, and it's that was actually quite fun to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think a team of Rajkovic, Perez. Um, Romero, Martinez, Aaron's, Sanchez, Rabio, Goretzka, Aitnuri, Isaac, and Malin. I th- I think that team would be v- a lot of fun, very competitive, and then I'd still have some decent depth behind them uh, with McCarthy, with Belardi, with Spence, and Buchanan, um, with Dehoud, and then with. Turam and Armstrong. Plus, I'd still have Morgan Gibbs-White, who I think is a really good fit at um, under, under Conte. So, yeah, that's what I'd go with. Um, we'll wrap up then with the gossip, as always, because, you know, why wouldn't you? Manchester City are planning on holding talks with Raheem Sterling over his future. He has two years left on his contract. And they've just tried to offer him to um, to Spurs. So I think they're going to have some trouble with him now. Uh, with a deal for Jaden Sancho agreed, Declan Rice, Pau Torres and Harry Kane top Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's wish list. My God. So he's been realistic about his summer then. Um, they won't get Rice. They might get Torres. They, they might get Pau Torres. They won't get Um. Sancho will be handed the number seven shirt at United, currently worn by Edinson Cavani. That seems a bit odd, given that they, you know, re-upped Cavani for another year. Uh, United are also interested in Bayern Munich and Germany midfielder Leon Goretzka, whose contract expires in 2022. Sorry, can't have him, lads. I've just signed him for Wolves. Um, United and Liverpool are likely to be priced out of a move for Kingsley Coleman after Bayern set a £77 million asking price for the 25-year-old. He's not worth £77 million, not with those injuries and the lack of production over his career. I mean, he's never... Production's the wrong word. The lack of consistency, the lack of being a starter regularly, they're not going to get that money. United have just priced themselves out of it also by buying Sancho, so let's, let's be realistic. New Tottenham Managing Director Fabio Paratici has been told he must pay... 51.5 million for Milan Skriniar this summer. Yeah, I don't see that one happening. Not now. Not without Conte. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain and France striker Kylian Mbappe has told people at the club, as it stands, he will not sign a contract extension. His current deal has one year to run. Um, I, I Haven't we all been expecting this for a while now? That he'd run this deal down and go to Real next summer on a free? Uh, meanwhile, Paris Saint-Germain president Nasir Al-Khalifi has taken over from sporting director Leonardo in talks with Mbappe to try to get him to remain at the Parc de Prince. Uh, that is that is the bum puckering. That's what that is. Uh, that's a man getting scared. If Leonardo can't get the job done, why does he have the job? I mean, he's never shown he's a good director of football. All he's done is really create problems at the club. So why do you still employ him? 
Chelsea manager Roman Abramovich remains confident the Blues can secure Erling Haaland this summer. I, I don't think he does. I really don't. Barcelona have called Manchester City repeatedly in an attempt to sell Sergio Roberto. It's like it's like telesales, just ringing up random clubs. Please buy this player. No. Okay. The very next day. Please buy these players. No. Uh, Barca are... If, if that's true, Barca are acting in a pathetic manner. Um, Benfica left-back Nuno Tavares will have a medical at Arsenal before joining the Gunners for £7 million. Good signing. They needed a backup left-back. He'll provide that. He can also play as a wing-back. And Tierney can play as the left of a three. Chelsea have made a final offer to... Manchester United forward Lauren James, sister of Blues forward fullback Reese James. Um, a great. I, I hope she. I, I don't know how good she is. I don't watch women's football, but um, yeah, she's playing for United. She can't be too bad. Uh, she's played for England under 19s, 22 goals in. Hang on. So she was at Arsenal. Went to United. Oh, played in the championship for United first. Scored 17 goals in 27 games that season. Then last season, scored 9 and 18. And not last season by, I mean, 19-20. This season just gone, two goals and 11. But obviously COVID and maybe some injuries, etc. Um, a decent goal record. Fair play. Uh, Arsenal have made a bid for Manuel Locatelli. Says Sassuolo's chief executive, Giovanni Carnavali, they must compete with Juventus for his signature. Juventus have been long-linked, so, I mean, we'll wait and see. I, I, I think he ends up staying in Italy, to be honest. Uh, Newcastle have made a £1.5 million bid for Dion Sanderson as they compete with Sunderland for the 21-year-old English player. No, not selling him. He's 21. We're keeping him at Wolves. And um, he counts as one of our under 21s. So he'll be a good backup centre back along with Bellardi behind the Argentines. He'll just have to learn Spanish for me. Uh, Leicester faced competition from AC Milan in the race to sign to swallow and Italy winger Domenico Berardi. Berardi would be perfect for Leicester. Off that right hand side, him and Barnes, oh, that'd be really good. I don't know if, if it's a realistic one. I think Leicester would probably have to sell Madison or Tielemans to afford him. But that's not too bad because then uh, Samura, Samare just slots in instead of Telemans. You lose a bit on the ball and maybe gain a bit off the ball. Um, RB Leipzig will let Austrian midfielder Marcel Sabitzer leave the club in a cut price deal this summer. It's not really cut price because he's he's had a contract in 12 months. Um, Arsenal, AC Milan and Roma are all interested. Well, Milan would make sense. I think Milan is is the one that makes the most sense for him. Rangers captain James Tavanier is the subject of interest from Manchester United, Brighton, Norwich and Arsenal. He signed a contract extension in April, tying him to the Scottish champions until 2024. I, I would believe that Norwich have interest, especially if Aarons is potentially leaving. I would believe that Brighton of interest as a backup to Lamptey and someone who's a bit more, a little bit more physically robust. He's not good enough for United or Arsenal. He's a championship level player. It's what he is. And we shouldn't confuse the fact that he's had a couple of good seasons in Scotland 
with what he is as a player. He was at Newcastle for years. He had loans at Gateshead, Carlisle, Sheffield Wednesday, Milton Keynes Dons, Shrewsbury, and Rotherham, all of whom, well, most of whom were League One or below at the time. He went to Wigan, couldn't get a game there, went to Bristol on loan and did all right. He's been at Rangers since they were in the championship. So remember, Rangers were a championship side. He was 24 years of age, and that's the best move he could get. And he's had two brilliant seasons with Rangers. Sorry, in, in the Premier League, in the Scottish Premiership, where he scored a lot of goals. 12 the season just gone, 14 and 18, 19. But a lot of those are penalties. Like, a lot of those are penalties. And defensively, he's questionable. Now, his brother, I do like quite a bit, um, Marcus. He's a winger at Middlesbrough. But you're not signing James if you're Arsenal United. You're just not. Uh, That's it, then. That is the show. It's gone long today. Apologies. It's probably very long. Guy, how long are we? Uh, One hour 32. Oh, God. Oh, that's much longer than I'd planned. Apologies. Anyway, have a good evening. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.